Hey, welcome to Home Church Podcast. It is a good day to have a good day. I'm Pastor Jerry Kuhn, and I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. My hope is that you will respond to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you in and through this message today. And I believe that he will draw you into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, where you are passionate about loving God, doing good, and being a friend. I hope that you enjoy the message today. So, crowd participation. What roles do mothers play in your home? So you can just shout them out. I know number one that comes into my mind is they'll say, what's for dinner? I'm the cook. Referee. Referee. That's a good one. Taxi. Taxi. Laundry lady. Maid. All out maid. What? Bank. Yeah, the banker. <laughs> Babysitter, taxi driver. Tutor, nurse. Entertainer. There's a bunch. Chaos coordinator. All the time. What? Meltdown manager. Yes. Cruise director. Oh, this is Julie. She'll be your cruise director. So there are so many roles that we play, ladies, and, and we do them well. We are the queen of multitaskers. We can leave our car with three backpacks, a pizza, a bag of groceries, and never spill a drop of our coffee. We are good at doing that. I always have people that would come up and they would say, can I help you carry that? And I'm like, nope, I got this. I've been doing this for a while. And so, ladies, we are the queen of multitaskers. How many of you, just a poll of the ladies in the room, are the grocery purchaser slash chief purchasing agent in your home. You do most of the shopping. And how many of you love it when you come home on a Saturday after you've gone to the post office, you've run by UPS and dropped off returns for Amazon, and then you've gone to Walmart, Aldi's, Homeland, Fire Lake, Dollar Store, and probably buy Atwoods if you're like me and pick up snacks for the dog. And you come home and your, your spouse will say, so did you have a good time shopping, hun? You're like... Yeah, yeah, I had a great time. I've touched every one of these groceries 12 times, putting them in the basket, put it on the belt, put it in the sack, put it in the car, put it in the, taking it from the car to the house, taking it from the house to the, uh, to the refrigerator, and then somebody will walk in and say, Mom, what do you have? Do you have a snack, or is it lunchtime? What are you fixing? And so in all of that, you've touched all those groceries a million times, and you think, yes, it was so relaxing. I'm so glad you gave me the day to go and shop. <laughs> um, it happens all the time, and sometimes we feel like we are unseen. My favorite days are those days that I get to go home and I get to be by myself and I get to clean the house. I don't know about you all, but I like it when my house can stay clean for more than five minutes. And the only way that that happens is if I'm at home alone doing it. If there's anybody else, the minute you get the sink empty, somebody else come bring and put a cup in the sink. Um, the minute you get the laundry basket empty, somebody changes their clothes and puts it in there. So I love those days when I get to go home and I get to deep clean the house. And I put, I clean under the couch and I clean baseboards and I go through closets and pull out old clothes and things like that. And then I go in and I love to make a, a big dinner for everyone and have something fresh in the oven come out when they get home, like cookies. And my family loves when I have cookies waiting when they come home. And it's always so funny when I do that, and I have one of those days, and they walk in and they drop their bags wherever they're at, they sling off their shoes and kick them wherever they go, and they start to eat a cookie and they say, so mom, what'd you do today? And you're like, 
Should I show them the list of everything that I've taken the time to meticulously cross off every time? And then I go in and I add to that list things that I did that wasn't on my list, but I want to be able to have the satisfaction of crossing them off. Should I show them that list and say, what did I do today? Here's what I did today. And then you just decide at that point it's probably not worth it, and you just say, oh, not much. And they're like, oh, okay, and they just go on about their day. There are those days that I actually do tell them everything I've done and probably a few things that I shouldn't say. And, um, you know, we all have those days that we aren't that perfect woman that, um, that just so forgiving and, and easygoing. Um, but I love those days when I can just do. And it may be things that isn't seen to anyone. Nobody may notice that I vacuumed under the couch. They may not know that there's some things that have done, been done in the house. But I know. And more importantly, God knows. Um, so what did you, uh, this is when I want to, oh, no, 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 I've won way past that. Um, today, I want to let you know that even um, though oftentimes we feel invisible, we are seen. So about 14 years ago, I went to a Women of Faith conference, and there I got to see a woman do a skit. Her name was Nicole Johnson, and she did a skit called The Invisible Woman. And that five minutes of skit um, taught me more about motherhood probably than anything else that I've ever had. It's one of those that I went out, and I'm not one that usually purchases a lot of things, but I bought that CD of that skit, and I've watched that CD over the years um, that reminds me of exactly why I do what I do. And so today, I have the book, The Invisible Woman, When Only God Sees, and I just bought it this last week and read it. It's an easy read, um, just to get some more pieces to that. Um, but I watch that video often. And so today, um, there's nothing new under the sun, but I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, Nicole Johnson um, has taught me these things, and I wanted to pass on some of that wisdom to you. So um, I don't have a lot of points today. I don't have a lot of things that you are going to see up on the screen. But what I do have is I have a little some pieces of um, nuggets of wisdom that I hope that will um, help you out. Especially this is the first time probably I've gotten to speak to a lot of younger moms that are still going through all of those times that I've been through. And um, so hopefully this will help you to get um, some peace in what you do and understanding and feeling valid um, when maybe the world doesn't validate us. Um, we have to, as, as women, decide what we're working for. What is our end game? If it's something that looks like perfection, um, we've set our sights on an unattainable goal. And the purpose behind it becomes selfish. It's so that we can be seen or that others can see just how good we are. If we're looking for our deepest worth to be found in how good our husband is or how good our kids do on things or how beautiful our home is, if we're looking to receive credit from their successes, then we're beginning to build a basis for our own subtle idolatry. We're beginning to find that we want to make sure that everything is done the way we want it, and we want to be seen for all of that. Recently, I was talking to Lance. I don't know where he's at, but I was talking to Lance. We were cooking, and he was saying that Jana gave him instructions to watch how Jerry made the double-baked potatoes because Jerry's an amazing cook. And so... Um, I had to proceed to tell him exactly how that um, Jerry could cook barbecue, but before, when Jerry and I met, he, learned, he knew how to cook barbecue. He didn't know how to cook anything else. And I taught him how to cook everything else that he knows how to cook. It's because I taught him to, te to cook that way. And it probably wasn't needed, although it's true, um, but it's something that I felt like I wanted him to know, that I 
taught him everything he knows. Jerry gets a lot of that credit when he goes out and cooks. Um, See, it's not for us to be seen by man. We don't strive for man's applause. I mean, it feels good, but it doesn't last, and it doesn't leave any kind of lasting impact. Galatians 1 and 10. It says, Am I not trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And isn't that what it's all about? We're supposed to be a servant of Christ in whatever capacity that we've been called to do. Um, After the great fire of 1666 that leveled London, the world-famous architect Christopher Wren was commissioned to rebuild St. Paul's Cathedral. One day in 1671, Christopher Wren observed three bricklayers on a scaffold. Uh, The first bricklayer um, was crouched. One was half standing and one was standing tall. And they were all working very hard and very fast. The first bricklayer, Christopher Wren, asked the question, What are you doing? To which the bricklayer replied, I am a bricklayer and I'm working hard to lay bricks to feed my family. I'm a, <clears throat> the second bricklayer responded, I'm a builder, and I am building a wall. But the third bricklayer, the most productive of the three, and the future leader of the group, when asked the question, what are you doing, replied with a gleam in his eye, I'm a cathedral builder. I'm building great, a great cathedral to the Almighty. See, we have to decide what our purpose is. Is it a job, like the first builder? Do we want some kind of reward at the end of the day? Because I'm just going to tell you, ladies, that you usually aren't going to see it. You're not going to see that rewarding clean house, and, and they may not tell you how great you did everything that day. Um, but if it's, a, if it's just a job, that's what we're looking for, something at the end of the day. If it's an occupation, a wife, a mother, then we, um, we know we do these things to make sure that our family is taken care of, to make sure that everything is good and um, that all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. But... If it's an occupation, I mean, if it's a calling, it's your God-given purpose. In the book, The Meaning of Life, Viktor Frankl wrote about people who survived the Holocaust. There were so many that didn't, but he went and talked to those that did. He found out that those that had a purpose greater than themselves were the survivors. The people whose focus was on others instead of themselves those that truly knew how to serve others. So the deep satisfaction that we need to long for is that that comes from something greater than ourselves, something, some purpose that is greater than what we have in ourselves. So just like that third bricklayer, we have to see the big picture, the big why. So what are you building, ladies? We don't work for our families, but we work for God. Our greatest purpose must be connected to something beyond us. When we recognize we are the builders of something great, something greater than ourselves, our here and our now, we can truly begin to contribute to its greatness. When we start to get so absorbed in the building process that we begin to become invisible, then Jesus becomes the focus. And I don't know about you, but I want to be so covered with Jesus, so covered with humility that Jesus becomes the focus for all, for everything I do. It's when our invisibility is no longer an affliction. It's not something that we see as something that, um, that we 
is a, is a hardship on us, that we aren't getting what's due us, when we see it as an affliction, um, or we stop seeing it as affliction, it becomes our cure for our family, and our community, and our world. It also helps us to cure self-centeredness, which we can all get tangled up to in that little subtle idolatry that we talked about. Um, it's when we find our deepest sense of worth in the building that the, the great cathedral of the kingdom of God can be built. And that is what we're here to do, that peace. We're building something great within every person that we, that we pour into, that we give to. We're trying to build something great, and um, that is where we find our deepest sense of worth. Um, but I want you to know that it doesn't go unseen. Every diaper that you've changed, every meal that you've cooked, every tear that you've wiped, every hand that you've held, God has seen it. He doesn't ever lose focus on us. God has shown us time and time again in his word that he sees us women. He sees us. From the very first woman of Eve, he clothed her. He gave her a perfect place to live. And even in her sin, he still made sure that he had provision for her. Um, Deborah, he saw her wisdom. He saw the wisdom that she contained, and he made her a judge, a woman. Sarah was barren. He saw her heart, and he made her the mother of the Jewish nations. Jacobed was, um, was Moses' mother, and she had to leave her son at the river to save his life. She had to leave him, but God saw her, and he made a way for her to be able to take that son and to raise him to be the one-day deliverer of, the, of their people. He saw Rahab the prostitute and showed her the redemption power of grace and used her among the, among the lineage of Jesus. He saw the loyalty of Ruth, and he gave her a kingsman redeemer. He saw a young, submissive Mary, and she was willing to be used and to carry our Savior. And he took care that when, when it was time for him to go, that he made sure that she was cared for also. See, God sees you, and he sees all of them. And we don't forget about Hagar. When Sarah had given up hope that she would be able to give Abraham a family and a child, she gave her servant Hagar to Abraham to raise a family. Um, she felt like that was the promise of God was going to be fulfilled through that. <clears throat> but when Hagar was preg pregnant, she started to, um, to resent her. And she started mistreating her. And Hagar ran. And she ran to the desert. And Genesis 16, 7 through 13 says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road of Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Good questions. A lot of times we know where we come from, but we don't always know where we're going. I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. And the angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. He told her where she was going. She was going back, and he gave her a purpose and a future in that one statement. You will live, and you will have descendants so many that they'll be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man, and his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. 
And at that moment, she gave the name of the Lord who spoke to her. He, she said, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And we are no different. We serve the same God today as Hagar served in the, New, in the Old Testament. He sees us. He sees us at the, what we feel like is the very most mundane things that we can do. He sees us. He meets us at every task that we, that we have to go to, every meeting that we, we attend with a teacher, every time that we sit down to help do math, every time that we make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He sees us. Hagar felt used, abused, and at the end of the rope, and she felt completely forgotten and unseen by God. But God not only showed up, he showed himself to give her a new hope and a purpose. He let her know that she was seen by her master and her creator, and he saw her right in the middle of her mess. And he gave her direction and a future. Hagar, Hagar knew she was seen. At that moment, she knew that he saw her misery, and, and she knew that he cared about everything that she had been through and everything she was going to go through. See, God sees when you're overwhelmed, when you feel mistreated and exhausted, and when you feel invisible. He sees you when you're tired and trying so hard to serve. He sees you. And you know at night when you go in and you want to read scripture or you take time to pray or listen to your music and you feel so bad because you lay down in your bed and you start to listen to scripture or you're in a bathtub and you're starting to pray and you fall asleep. I know I always had that feel, feeling of guilt, like, man, I couldn't even, you know, like, he, I couldn't even pray for one hour. But God is your father. And what father doesn't love it when his children can come and they can feel comfort and they can feel relief from the stress and they can feel security to lay in his arms and to sleep? So moms, when you're tired and you start to lift up a prayer, he's, he knows your prayer. And he knows that you're giving it all, your all. And he loves that you can sit back and sleep in peace with him. So don't feel bad. Don't carry that guilt. Um, busyness, stress, and all the roles you play cannot hide you from him. God sees us, and he tells us in Matthew 5 and 14, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. See, God's called us a city. We're a beacon of hope to those that are around us. That's important. That's an important role to play. And in Psalms 46, 4 through 5, he said, There's a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. That's us. A holy place where the ho most high dwells with us. God is with her, and she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. See, God sees you in your darkest times. He's not left you. He's not forsaken you. And he is there to help, and he will not let us fall. Matthew 10, 29 through 31 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hair on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. See, just like sparrows, you are seen by the Father. The word says you are his delight. So how much more are you his child than a bird? You know, that old song, His Eyes on the Sparrow. I love that song because it helps to remind us that he doesn't forget us. 
that when we feel discouraged, he's there, that he doesn't take his eyes off of us. If he sees them, he will definitely see you. Now, your husband and your children, that's a whole different, that's a whole different Oprah show. Will they ever see everything that you do? Um, maybe not. But you never know the magnitude of all the unseen tasks that you do. Your inv invisibility is the most beautiful thing that you can ever wear. It allows you the ability to leave gifts in lives of others without being noticed. To be a secret admirer of those around us who need to, be feel, need to feel seen by others and allows us to do anonymous things for God. We can make others visible through our invisibility. Invisibility is our doorway to humanity or humility and our catalyst to a beautiful cathedral that we are building. So when I had that conversation with Lance, what I didn't tell Lance about how I taught Jerry to cook is that I learned by watching my mom and my grandmother. You may never know how or when you are truly seen. I found this poem, if I can make it through it, get your tissues. When you thought I was looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator and I immediately wanted to paint another one. When I thought, when you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you feed a stray cat and learned how that it was good to be kind to animals. When I thought, when you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake for me and learned that the little things can be the special things in life. When you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say a prayer and I knew that there is a God and I could always talk to him and I can learn to trust in him. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make a meal and take a friend out who was sick. And I learned that we all have to take, help take care of each other. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw that you take care of our house and everyone in it and learned we have to take care of what we are given. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw how you handled your responsibilities even when you didn't feel good. And I learned that I would have to be responsible when I grew up. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw tears come from to your eyes, and I learned that sometimes things hurt, and it's okay to cry. When you thought I wasn't looking, oops, sorry, <clears throat> I thought I when you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you cared, and I wanted to be everything that I could be. When you thought I wasn't looking, I learned most of life's lessons that I needed to know to be a good, productive person when I grow up. When you thought I wasn't looking, I looked at you and wanted to say, thanks for all the things I saw when you thought I wasn't looking. Author unknown. For all those people who do so much for others but think that no one ever sees, those little eyes see a lot. Someday you're gonna notice your daughter that's taking time to do every, take those little details that you do or maybe your, your son's wife will come to you and say, can you teach me how to make Alfredo sauce because he likes the way that you make it. Or when they start to clean their own homes, like you tried to teach them to clean yours. Or like today, when your son goes in and steams his own shirt. Yes, that was a mom win for me today. He went in and steamed his own shirt without being told. He's learning and he does see. When you begin to see the lives that you've been working so diligently to build, start to build in others' cathedral with their words and their actions. Then you know that they've seen. If the band would come. 
see, Martin Luther King Jr. wrote, If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should, should sweep streets as Michelangelo painted, as Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all of the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Casey, if you'll show him the video, please. It started to happen gradually. I would walk into a room and say something and no one would notice. I would say, turn the TV down, please. And nothing would happen. So I would get louder. Turn the TV down, please. Finally, I would have to go over and turn the TV down myself. And then I started to notice it elsewhere. My husband and I had been at a party for about three hours and I was ready to go. I looked over and he was talking to a friend from work and I walked over and he kept right on talking. He didn't even turn toward me. That's when I started to put it together. <laughs> he can't see me. <laughs> I'm invisible. I'm invisible. Then I started to notice it more and more. I would walk my son to school and his teacher would say, Jake, who's that with you? And my son would say, nobody. <laughs> Granted, he's just five, but nobody? One night a group of us gathered and we were celebrating the return of a friend from England. Janice had just taken this fabulous trip and she was going on and on about the hotel she stayed in. And I was sitting there looking around at the other women at the table. I'd put my makeup on in the car on the way there. I had on an old dress because it was the only thing clean and I had my unwashed hair pulled up in a banana clip and I was feeling pretty darn pathetic. And then Janice turned to me and she said, I brought you this. <laughs> it was a book on the great cathedrals of Europe. I didn't understand. And then I read her inscription. She wrote, with admiration for the greatness of what you are building when no one sees. You can't name the names of the people who built the great cathedrals. Over and over again, looking at these mammoth works, you scan down to find the names and it says, Builder, unknown, unknown, unknown. They completed things not knowing that anyone would notice. There's a story about one of the builders who was carving a tiny bird inside a beam that would be covered over by a roof. And someone came up to him and said, why are you spending so much time on something no one will ever see? And it's reported that the builder replied, because God sees. They trusted that God saw everything. They gave their whole lives for a work, a mammoth work, they would never see finished. They showed up day after day. Some of these cathedrals took over a hundred years to build. That was more than one working man's lifetime, day after day. And they made personal sacrifices for no credit. Showing up at a job they would never see finished for a building their name would never be on. 
One writer even goes so far as to say no great cathedrals will ever be built again because so few people are willing to sacrifice to that degree. I closed the book and it was as if I heard God say, I see you. You are not invisible to me. No sacrifice is too small for me to notice. I see every cupcake baked, every sequin sewn on, and I smile over everyone. I see every tear of disappointment when things don't go the way you want them to go. But remember, you are building a great cathedral. It will not be finished in your lifetime, and sadly, you will never get to live there. But if you build it well, I will. At times, my invisibility has felt like an affliction to me. But it is not a disease that is erasing my life. It is the cure for the disease of self-centeredness. It is the antidote to my own pride. It's okay that they don't see. It's okay that they don't know. I don't want my son to tell the friend he's bringing home from college you're not going to believe what my mom does. She gets up at four in the morning and she bakes pies and hand bakes a turkey and she presses all the linens. Even if I do all those things, I don't want him to say that. I want him to want to come home. And secondly, I want him to say to his friend, you're going to love it there. It's okay that they don't see. We don't work for them. We work for him. We sacrifice for him. They will never see, not if we do it right, not if we do it well. Let's pray that our work will stand as a monument to an even greater God. So ladies, today you're building great cathedrals and you're doing it well if you feel unseen. But just know that no matter what you, where you're at in life and no matter what stage your children are, God sees you. If you can know anything when you walk out these doors today is that you are seen. Every task that you do, every sacrifice that you made is seen. It's not gone unnoticed by God. And when you build that cathedral, he will give you, it'll give him a nice opportunity to live in a beautiful place that you've created. I love that picture of that carver carving that sparrow up in the wood beam and covering it over because it really doesn't matter what everybody else sees. It matters what God sees this morning. So if you, all of the women in the building, whether you are a mother of biological children or not, you are a mother. You are um, nurturing. That's what God put us here to do. You are putting into the lives of others. If you would stand this morning, all of our women, First of all, um, to all the others that aren't standing this morning, see them. And let's give them a hand clap. You don't get it very often, ladies, but you deserve it every day. Thank you all for all that you do. And now I'm going to pray over you. And if you have that, if you're having a struggling moment where you just feel like you're unseen or you feel like you're having a hard time doing what you have to do every day and you would like to be prayed for up here, I open up these altars.
But as they sing this morning, we are going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for these beautiful women. I thank you for the ones that you intended on being here today, God, that you've given them a purpose, Lord, that you see, let them see the end game, God, that you pour into them every day joy, peace, love, and strength that they can do every task that you've given them, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the sacrifices that they make daily. Lord, the sacrifices that may feel like they go go unnoticed, Lord, but you see. Lord, help them to build well, to build strong. Lord, to put detail in it. Lord, everything that their hands go to do, Lord, that you would bless. Lord, that when they um, reach out to that child to hug, or that person that's hurting, Lord, Lord, that you give them a word of wisdom for them, that your Holy Spirit completely take that opportunity to show you. Lord, let us be so cloaked in our humility that, Lord Jesus, you are what everyone sees. We thank you, God, that their invisibility makes others visible. Lord, give us the eyes to see others like you have, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you're doing and all that you're doing. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more messages or find a service time, you can visit us at our website, homechurchtecumseh.com for more information. Thank you again. And until next time, love God, do good, and be a friend. Be blessed.